I have a question for you as we get started. Do you, do you compare church more to a country club, to like a, you know, meeting, like a get-together club meeting or a job recruitment fair? How many of you have ever been to any kind of club meeting or any kind of, you know, some kind of, you know, your PTA or some type of, you know, group or you're signed up to be in something and you go to a meeting Okay, we've all been to those types of meetings. Those usually are meetings to educate the members of the club or the organization as to what's going on, and they are usually to get you up to speed on what's going on, give you marching orders, tell you what to do, things like that. Those are good. Those are positive things. But how many of you have ever been to a job recruitment fair? Yeah, total different feel. I've been a part of being at job recruitment fairs, and, and they're very interesting because most of the time you get no idea who's going to come up to the counter. When I was working for Quitrip and doing hiring for them, I, I got to do that in some points where I would be in a mobile setting where we would have a mobile hiring place, and we would go out, and we would have open interviews. Well, guess what? Anybody can walk right on into those interviews and be like, hey, man, I want to get a job. This is awesome. And so sometimes it's very interesting. You never know what you're going to get. I kind of have a thought that that's kind of how church should be. Because church, if it becomes a club mindset where everybody knows everybody, everybody is expected to know what to do, everybody conforms to the look, the type, the rules, we get real inclusive in our thinking. Church should always be thinking about who's walking in that has no idea what to expect. You know, I like what Mark Twain has to say about church. He says, the reason most people don't go to church is because they've already been. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that I know they are good people. I, I, I love talking to people. When we were on our vacation, I, was, I talked to a lot of people. My wife is like, oh my gosh, you're not at church anymore. You don't have to talk to everybody. I'm like, sorry, I have my dad in me. I, 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 I'm naturally that way. But I love talking to people and just picking their brains. And I never tell people I'm a pastor, ever. Until they ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? And so it's always funny to see, because like they're retracing in their minds, what did I say? How many cuss words had I said? What, uh, what had I talked about? You know, it's like, you know, it's, it just cracks me up to see their demeanor. What? You're, oh, okay. You know, it's always, it's always interesting to see. But a lot of people have an opinion about church because they've been once or twice. They've heard about it. They've had a bad experience. And church shouldn't be that way. Church should be the place that when people walk in the door, they're made to feel welcome. I always tell my volunteers in the children's department that when we are at church, our head needs to be on a swivel. Our head needs to be constantly looking around to say, who's new? Who's not connected? Who's, who's kind of out on the fringe? Who is, who's not brought into the circle? And what are we doing to bring them into that circle? But I think a lot of the way that we function as church, a lot of the way that we operate in our gifts needs to be exactly as this series talks about. We need to relearn. We need to unlearn. We need to learn how God wants us to function as a body of believers so that when people walk in the door that know nothing about Jesus Christ, they know nothing about any of that, they just know that they want something more, that they walk in the door and immediately the Spirit of God identifies with them, speaks to them, operates through us as the body of believers, the gifted body, and reaches out to them and does something to draw them in. I love this series, Unlearned, Learn, Relearn. Look at this passage with me. I'm going to look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at, at verse 26 
through 33 kind of as a study point, but I want to read with you 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. I'm going to put it on the, the screen for you in the message, and I want you to read along with me, okay? In kids' church, those of you that serve in kids' church with me, you know that I am all about audience participation and nobody falling asleep and popping behavior balloons, and so I will pop your behavior balloons if you guys get out of control, and I do my best to make sure you stay awake, but I want you to read this with me, okay? It's going to be on the screen, out loud, yes. Aunt Carol, you can read it out loud with me, so say it with me. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. Wow, that kind of that hits you right between the eyes, doesn't it? Go on. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake of being burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Wow. We're looking at the idea today in this series, Gifted, and our gifts being for the common good. A lot of times when you think about gifts, it's you're getting it. It's what you wanted. It's how you wanted it. You ever been to a birthday party and a kid was like, I don't like that gift. You just like me want to spank them right then, don't you? Yeah. If you're not a spanking parent, I'm sorry. I spanked all three of my kids as often as I possibly could. My youngest, my youngest, he pretty much got a spanking every day when he woke up. I'm like, I know you're going to need this and deserve this. Kaplow, let's just get it over with, boy. So, you know, you wanted to spank him just like I did. You know, gifts, usually we think about it's what we want. But gifts, as far as the spiritual side of things, we are gifted so that we are being a blessing to others. We are gifted for the common good of the body of Christ. That is the point of gifted as we look at it. I want to look at this other commentary. This is a great, great resource too. Uh, My Life Application Study Bible had a really good thing to say about kind of our lynch point verse, verse 26. It says, everything done in worship services must be beneficial to the worshipers. This principle touches every aspect, singing, preaching, the exercise of spiritual gifts, those contributing to the service, the singers, the speakers, the readers, they must have love as their chief motivation, speaking useful words or participating in a way that will strengthen the faith of other believers. We want that to be what happens every time you walk in the doors here at Crown Point Church, that you are strengthened, that you are built up, that you are encouraged, that you walk out of here with something that you didn't have before you came in. We work really hard at that. We want, we want this to be a service experience that's not here to entertain you, but to equip you, to get you rooted and grounded and firm in your faith so that when you walk out of here, the, the trials of life aren't gonna shake you because that's what the enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants to shake your faith. There's always words that really stand out to me when I look at text. And the first one that I really wanna narrow in on is that word strengthen. Strengthen is something that is a key component of what needs to happen in our services. So verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. So Paul's kind of wrapping up a lot of thoughts. We've looked at a lot of those thoughts over the course of this series. And so Paul's summarizing, he says, when you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. 
Now realize as Paul is talking to this church in Corinth, he's talking to a group of Christians that met in houses. They had basically connect groups. They had basically house groups where they would meet. As many people could get in these houses, they'd have a meal together, they'd fellowship together, they'd sit and talk scripture, they would worship, they would do a little bit of what we do, kind of like in a connect group or like a small house church setting. And so Paul is giving them instructions because how they were functioning in their house churches was out of order. They had gotten out of the bounds of what they needed to do and the body wasn't strengthened. What was happening was confusion and conflict and, and people were going the wrong direction with things rather than being strengthened, rather than being built up. So Paul's summarizing and saying, you know, there's lots of different components to what's gonna happen when you get together. Look at our body of believers compared to that. We are not a house church right now. Now we do have connect groups. I encourage you to get plugged in and connected to one of them because they are a great resource for you to take a larger group church setting like this and make it smaller. That's one of the ways that you're going to develop relationships with people, get to know people and, and really have people that you bond in, in community and relationship to. Those are important components of it. But Paul wasn't talking to a large group that meets regularly. He's talking to small groups that get together and he's saying, everything you do when you get together should build you up, should strengthen you. Verse 15 is a, is a verse that correlates real well with this earlier in chapter 14, kind of what, when Paul's summarizing, this is one of the verses he's pointing to. He says, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. He's saying, you Corinthians need to realize you've been given gifts. You've been given spiritual gifts. You've been given equipment from the Holy Spirit to be a body to be a benefit to the body, to have gifts for the common good, but use them in a way realizing you still have your presence of mind. A lot of times I think in growing up, I, guys, I, I've grown up in this. In case you wonder where I stand as far as being a part of a Pentecostal movement like the Assemblies of God, my grandfather was ordained with the Assemblies of God in 1937, my dad in 69, me in 2007, and so, and my son is, is gonna be getting ordained next year. So, I'm in this, guys. I, I've been around it. I believe it. But I've, I've also watched it my whole life and thought to myself, man, a lot of how we function as a body of believers doesn't match up to the book. A lot of how we function, I think, is steeped in our habits and in our tradition and in how we've gone about things. Did you, have you ever heard someone say, well, that ain't how I learned it. That isn't how I was taught. My grandpappy's father's brother's brother's sister's cousin's uncle used to say this, and I believe that. Anytime you get a couple hundred people together, you know how many opinions you have? A couple hundred. You got lots of different ideas about how things need to function. How we need to function needs to correlate with this book. There's a lot of sources of truth out there. This is the source of truth. Amen. This is our guidebook. This is what we stand on. This is what we believe in. And so Paul's saying, yes, your gifts are there for you to build you up, to encourage you, to edify, but it's supposed to strengthen everybody. If you walk away from a church setting with kind of a, ah, uh, something just wasn't quite right about that, you, first of all, you need to pray about it rather than complain about it. A lot of times, I think a lot of the problems that happen in church are because we're talking to each other and not God. That wasn't in my notes. That's for free. Just count, check it. Check it as a free bonus that you just got. Talk to God more than you talk to other people, and a lot of things will go better. Okay, moving on. 
Verse 27 says, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time. Someone must interpret what they say. So here we see that in this text, the Corinthians were all showing up and they were all speaking in tongues because God had blessed them with a spiritual gift that is an important spiritual gift. Paul mentions, and Pastor Dennis has talked and pointed to lots of different references through the series about the importance of having a prayer language, about the importance of speaking in tongues as a personal way to communicate with God, to, to, to edify and build up yourself, to speak whenever you don't know what to speak. The Spirit will groan and speak through you. It's an important component of it, but they were overusing their gifts. They were using them out of order. They were using them in a way that was causing confusion rather than people being strengthened, being built up, being edified. But here we see an awareness of an interpreter. So obviously in a small group setting, it would be easier to know whether someone is available to be an interpreter. I've been in a couple different settings where there was a message in tongues and no one interpreted it. And I prayed. I'm like, God, what, what are you saying here? Because I, I never felt like growing up that I had the gift of interpretation. You know, as I prayed about it, God spoke and said, this is what I feel like it is. I didn't hear like a rehearsed thing in my mind. I felt like God spoke. That's what it was. But I had to pray for that. I had to say, God, what are we doing here? What's going on? And so I think in a lot of situations and in a lot of settings, I think we've just rehearsed and done things out of tradition the way that we've always done it. And Paul's saying, there shouldn't be confusion. You should always know the people around you. I, I was raised by a, a wonderful man of God. He's, he's in heaven now. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what he's doing, but I know that God's taking care of, of my dad. But my dad was, was one of the most profoundly spirit-filled people that I've ever been around in my life. But I, I never heard him speak out loud above just his own voice in tongues. I never heard him speak a message in tongues for the body, but I heard him pray in tongues a lot. I heard him in his own personal prayer language pray in tongues. One of the things that touched my heart in a powerful way was my dad at the end in the hospital. He, he was, he was, they were having to give him all kinds of medicine because of the side effects of the seizures that he was facing. And so his clarity wasn't as, a, as 100% as it had been. But you know what he did when I could see that he was fearful of the situation around him? He began to pray in the spirit. He began to pray in tongues. It was precious to me because he knew that was going to strengthen him. That was going to edify him. That was going to build him up. He wasn't giving a message for the nurses. He was praying that God would build him up and strengthen him. So I've talked to a lot of people over the course of my life in ministry about fear of this whole deal about tongues. My, my oldest, when, when we lived in another community and we were ministering there, it, it was funny. He had a bunch of friends that, that went to the Methodist church, which my wife was a Methodist, so I love the Methodists. I love them so much I married one. But, uh, but he was talking to all these, these friends of his at the Methodist church, and they were like, all right, Jairus, how's this work? So if we walk into your church, is it just going to zap me and I'm going to start speaking in tongues? And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. They're like, all right, well, can you do it for us now? I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's, people have such a, an interesting view of this whole deal. But Paul's saying, this is a real deal. This is something you need in your life. This is something that's going to build you up, that's going to strengthen you. But how you function in it is important. Being aware of your surroundings. One of, one of the things that really defined my dad was that he always ministered to people that weren't churched. He always ministered to people that didn't come from a church background, so he was always very aware and very sensitive to the things he said and the things he did because he knew they didn't have a context and an understanding for what was going on. And I think that was good for him because it kept him 
thinking about how that outside eye's perspective sees things. Verse 6 is another verse earlier in, in chapter 14 that, that talks about us being strengthened for the common good. It says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and I speak in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Paul's emphasizing that it's important that these giftings are there to build us up, to edify us, but that it is also that we are aware of who we're speaking to, of who we're talking to. We're aware that it is strengthening and building up the body of believers. Verse 28 of chapter 14 says, but if no one is present who can interpret, then you must be silent in your church meeting. Speak in tongues to God privately. Paul is just simply saying there needs to be order. There needs to be an order and it needs to be submissive to the leadership of your church. Pastor Dennis is our pastor. Pastor Dennis is our leader. He's a wonderful man of God. I can brag about him because he's not here. And, and uh, David can edit this part out when I'm bragging on him on the website. So he doesn't even know I was bragging about him. <laughs> right, David? There you go. He is a wonderful man of God. And do you know what his heart is? His heart is to love you and to see you bring more people to Jesus. He loves every one of you. I, I see the hours that he gives from his family. I see the tireless effort that he gives to, to be connected to everyone in this church. But his heart is that he wants to see people saved. And do you know where that heart comes from? It comes from Jesus because Jesus wants people to be saved. When it comes down to it, that's what the end game is. Christ wants more people in heaven. He doesn't want to see them go to hell. Hell wasn't created for them. He wants them in heaven. But anything that we're doing in a body of believers that's a stumbling block, we've got to be careful. It needs to be submissive to our leadership. Principle that I want you to pull away from that is that a good measurement for the common good in gathering together as a body of believers is whether we are all strengthened. That's something that I know you've been challenged through this whole series to pray for, for how God is gifting you, how God wants to use you. You need to also pray in the mindset that, God, how can I be used for the common good so that the body is built up so that new people walk in this door and immediately feel at home and immediately feel welcomed and loved and we can disciple them? Because if we bring in a whole bunch of new people that don't know anything about Christ and we don't disciple them, we don't raise them up and train them how to live for Jesus, walk alongside them through difficult times, we're not doing any justice to them either. We need to realize our gifts are for the common Good, so that all are strengthened. Second word I want you to look at is evaluate. Evaluate is an interesting word. How many of you have ever been evaluated on your job for your performance? Now, don't raise your hand, especially if your boss is in the room, but have you ever had a bad performance evaluation? I've walked out of some evaluations just mad as a hornet, like with the hair on the back of my neck, like, boy boy, I'm going to knock you out. That is wrong. I've had those feelings. Or girl, you know, it could have been girl. I had a boss one time that was a lady. She was tough on me. I used to think she was, had it out for me, but you know what? I learned a lot from her. She was good. But evaluations are something that are interesting. And I think the thing that we think about from the standpoint of evaluation, if we are submitting ourselves to an evaluation from the Holy Spirit, he's not going to hold any punches. He's going to cut right through it. There's been a lot of opportunities in my life that people have been talking to me about their problems or things that they're going through, and I don't do it all the time. 
But there's been a few times where the Holy Spirit gave me clearance to just say, you know what, the reason that's happening is because you're being this or you're saying that. I'm not always that poignant. I'm not always that blunt. Sometimes you use your filter. Because if you tell everybody that you think or every, everybody what you're thinking all the time, you know how many friends you're going to have? Not too many. No, sorry, that's just the way it is. I mean, we're all perfect, of course, right? And if everybody else acted like we did, then, you know, the whole world would be perfect. Wrong. We're all a mess. We're all flawed. But I think the thing that we forget about this evaluation process is the Holy Spirit's going to cut right to the heart. He's going to cut right to the core of the matter. He's going to step right on your toes and say, you know what? You're an idiot. This is why this is happening. Quit doing that. And you're like, oh, wow. That's awesome. That's cool. Look at verse 29. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. What, what is this saying? This is saying that the leadership of the church, the, the people that are discerning, the people that are listening and talking to God and saying, God, what are you speaking to this congregation? What are you saying to that congregation? I learned some valuable lessons about that. And I also learned some differences I've been in a, in a pastorate. I, I pastored a small church in the country. I know what it's like to be a senior pastor. It's an interesting thing. If you've never been a senior pastor, there's hundreds of churches out there that would probably take you tomorrow, and then you'd probably be resigning by Tuesday. It's an interesting thing. And the smaller the church, the more interesting it can be. But I did learn something that stepping in that role teaches you something. There's a mantle that comes with that role. I don't have that mantle for this church. Do you know who has that mantle for this church? Our pastor. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. If you have ever pastored a church in this room, you know that what I'm saying is real, that when you step into that position, something's different. God speaks to you. God gives you vision. God gives you direction. God, God gives you a heart for the people, a heart for the direction that church is going. And you have a choice whether to listen to him or not. And if you don't, you know who you're answering to? You're answering to God. Here's another little tidbit that isn't in my notes. Write this one down. This one's also for free. If you disagree with our pastor, with any pastor, that they're hearing from God or that what they did wasn't right, do you know who you need to talk to about it? God and no one else. Because you know who they are directly answering to? God. Do you know who's speaking to them about vision, about direction, about where they're going? God. And do you know who's going to bop them on the head if they're not listening? God. It's not your job to bop the pastor on the head to tell him when he missed God. It's your job to pray for him, to build him up, to edify him, to encourage him. We have a wonderful man of God that loves this church, loves this community, and wants to see us grow as a body of believers. I'm enjoying bragging on him because he's not here because he's a good man. He is a good man. And he cares. But he is hearing from God for us. Pray for him. Submit to him. Don't do anything that isn't lined up with what he's leading in the church because anytime there's division in a house, what happens? A house divided is going to fall. Churches that I see that are moving forward, that are changing 
the culture around them that are, that are seeing souls come by droves. Do you know what the common denominator is? They are behind their pastor and his vision and his direction and the way that he is leading them. So this is my challenge. This, is much, this sermon is much easier for me to preach than Pastor Dennis because he, he can't tell you, hey guys, get behind me. Because it sounds, I heard, him, I heard him say that several times. He, he kept telling you, I'm your gift. He is our gift. He is a wonderful gift from God for this body. He's an incredible man of God. He can't say that, but I can brag on him. He didn't even pay me to do this. He's going to pay me extra when he comes back. <laughs> he's going to be like, I'm taking you to lunch. Or he's going to say, what are you up to? He's a good man. But here we see that it needs to be evaluated. If you've ever walked out of a body, a group meeting, and just felt like something was off, it needed to be evaluated. I've been around Pentecost my whole life, and I've seen some things done in the name of church and in the spirit that I just thought, ah, I'm not sure what spirit that was, but I didn't feel like it was the Holy Spirit. I'm not being sacrilegious, guys. I think if you've been around it enough, you've witnessed those things and experienced those things too. It isn't that those people are trying to be divisive, maybe, but maybe they were just a little misled. I like what the fire Bible has to say about this. This is good. Times prophecy and speaking in tongues might not be authentic or a true message from God. People who are caught up in their emotions, sometimes misguided in their sense of direction from the Holy Spirit, may give a well-meaning message that is actually from their own mind and motivation. This is in the, the commentary that I provided for you in your handout. I encourage you to read this whole thing. Look over it. I think a lot of well-meaning people have wanted, they've sensed God speaking to them maybe. They've sensed the feeling and the emotion of the Holy Spirit moving on them or felt like something was for someone. I've had some extremely profound times when people have come up to me and they said, John, I feel like God spoke this to you. I felt like God spoke this to me and I want to share this with you. And there's been some other times when I'm like, okay, you had bad pizza last night because what you just spoke to me is not from God. It's from that pepperoni. You know, and so a lot of times we can be misguided, not with bad intentions, but we just can have been caught up and gone the wrong direction. Here it says in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. That is a role of discernment of primarily our pastor and of the leadership of the church, the staff, the board, the people that are in leadership of the church to discern that what goes on happens in, an, in a fitting and an order way. And we evaluate that according to discernment. I've, that's, that's a gift that I consistently pray for. If you don't know what gifts to pray for, first of all, look through scripture and look at the different gifts. You know, and you can ask God all you want for a certain gift and he may not give it to you because who's the distributor of the gifts? The Holy Spirit, you don't get to choose. We looked at that in, in chapter 12, but I can guarantee you, you can ask. How many of you have ever asked for a Corvette? Yeah, I told you last time I preached in here, I asked for him all the time. God gave it to Jeff Wilkie instead of me. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we can ask all we want, but a gift that I always ask for is I, God, give me discernment. God, let me hear your voice. God, let me sense your leading. God, let me be in tune with where you're going. You know where I know I do seek especially discernment is in my own department. 
I do, have, I do have liberty to lead children's ministry at Crown Point, marriage and family ministry in the direction that I feel like God's leading me. I'm submissive to my pastor. I communicate with him, but I pray all the time for discernment. God, how does this need to function? How do we need to do this? Show me what I'm missing, God. The Holy Spirit, you know what he can do? He can make you look like a genius. There's been a lot of times people have said, man, that was a great idea. I'm like, thank you, because it wasn't mine. The Holy Spirit will make you look smart when you are discerning his voice, when you are discerning his leading. And it's not so that it makes you look smart. It's so that you're listening to God. You're following his direction. Verse 30, but if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, then the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Here we see that Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to establish order, to establish what works for your body of believers. When you feel like God is speaking to you, whether it is for right then or for next sermon series or for whatever, there is a wonderful man of God named Pastor Dennis. And he wakes up every day waiting for you to talk to him. Not really. But he is the man that you need to talk to. Again, I've been on that side of the desk to have experienced what it's like when people talk about you to other people. That's tough. You know, the other unique thing about hearing from God, it's not always easy. And it's not always consistent. Man of God has to do something that's not popular. Have you guys read this book? Have you seen the prophets? Do you know how most of them ended up? Jeremiah was in a well, in a cistern. Wow. Every day that I woke up and I was a pastor and I wasn't in a cistern, I thought, okay, I'm a step ahead of Jeremiah. Even though they're talking bad about me, I'm not in the sewer. You know, it could be worse. But you need to, you need to talk to Pastor Dennis. You need to appeal to him. Before you do it, you need to pray. You need to say, God, are you speaking to me about this or is this the pepperoni I had last night? But you need to submit to that authority so that he can evaluate where it's going. I guarantee you, our pastor has his finger on the pulse of where God is leading this church. Guarantee you. Here's another little tidbit that's for free. If you don't think your pastor is hearing from God, first of all, you need to pray. But second of all, why are you still here? I can be a little more blunt about this stuff than he can, guys, because I'm not him. He hears from God. He's listening to God. Trust that. Pray for him. Encourage him. Build him up. If you feel like God is speaking something for you, whether that's for you, whether that's for someone else, whether it's for the body, seek him out. I guarantee you he's approachable. If you don't feel like our pastor is approachable and will talk to you and will listen to you, you don't know him because he'll talk to anybody and he cares about what you have to say. I guarantee you he does. And so here we see that Paul is saying that in this way, the body is encouraged. Here's another little tidbit from that fire Bible handout that you have. If the church has not established proper and orderly ways to apply and evaluate prophecies, it has failed to follow biblical guidelines. Notice also that prophecy was not considered an uncontrollable urge of the spirit. The speaker could control the impulse because only one prophet could speak at a time. This commentary was drafted and written by some of the most incredible Pentecostal theologians. I got to meet one of them, Stanley Horton. 
Got to take a class from him at seminary before he passed away. Donald Stamp was another great man of God. These were men that Donald Stamp was a Presbyterian and had to leave the Presbyterian church because they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And he had experienced the Pentecostal Holy Spirit emphasis in his life, and he had to turn his back on that denomination and, and ask for God to say, okay, what are you doing? And so he sought the scriptures and, and pursued that and, and put this commentary together. So here we see that proper order is biblical, that God is saying this is what needs to happen. This is how you need to function. This is what needs to be done. The principle I want you to pull away from that is leaders must be trusted to evaluate and establish order. Pastors have to be trusted. They've got to be given authority to set control and boundaries for how we function as a body of believers. The last word is control. Control is an interesting word. A lot of times when when that word is used, it, it just kind of puts the hair on the back of your neck at alert, doesn't it? How many of you like to be controlled? Well, if you are in the range of about 7 through 12 and you're a boy, I can guarantee you, you don't like control at all. I just got back from a couple-day camp out with a bunch of Royal Ranger boys, and you know what those boys did? They jumped in the water. They threw rocks. They ate food that fell on the ground. <laughs> they dug worms. They touched fish. They didn't take a shower. They didn't brush their teeth. Sorry, moms. Telling on them all. They stunk, and they loved it because boys don't like control. They don't like to be told what to do. They don't like someone to put them in a box that says, do this. That word doesn't just mean that. A lot of times that word control is misconstrued. Control is shaping and directing the way that we go. How many of you know that parents have to control their children to a certain extent? Have you ever been at Walmart and seen parents that don't believe in that word? Yes, you all have seen the same people. We've all seen them. They all look the same and their kids all act the same. No control. No control is not a good thing. Look at what Paul has to say about it. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Paul's saying it's, it's something that as God gifts you, as God uses you to be an edification, to be building up the body of believers, to be gifts for the common good, you can control yourself still. You still have the ability to remember what's going on around you. Verse 33 says, for God is not the God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Fire Bible says in the handout, in order to properly evaluate and guide the use of spiritual gifts and expressions, church leaders must pray for godly discernment. I like the New King James Version of that, verse 33. It says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of all the saints. God doesn't want us to be confused. God doesn't want us to have, have church meetings that aren't strengthening the body. God doesn't want us to be in a setting to where we're not setting ways up to evaluate what happens and, and look at it and say, is it for the common good? God's not wanting us to over-control and, and quench the spirit, but he's wanting us to put order in place so that as we function as a body of believers, we function the way that he intended us to principle I want you to pull away is that leaders are to discern the balance of control and order for the common good. I really enjoyed listening to this series as Pastor Dennis has preached the majority of it, and I'm I'm thankful to him to be able to contribute uh, the portions that he's asked me to share with you too, because this is a subject that's important. 
It's an important subject for us as a body of believers because we need to be positioned to reach the lost. We need to be positioned so that we as a body are building each other up, not tearing each other down. We need to be positioned so that we are following our God-given gift, our God-given leader in the direction that God is leading him so that we can be effective in reaching the world around us. Here's a challenge that I have for you. I want you to pray for the gifts. I know pastor has been challenging you through this whole series. Pray for what gifts God is placing in you. You may not have any idea what they are. It may not even go along with any of your normal personality. Pray for them. But I also want you to pray for discernment in using them. I want you to just bow your heads with me right now. In the quiet of right now, I want you to just sit. I'm gonna give you about a minute of silence, and sometimes we don't like silence, but it's okay. I want you to be quiet and listen and ask God how he's gifting you. God, I thank you that you do speak to each and every one of us. God, I thank you for this group of people that's here today. God, I thank you for this church, for this community of believers that you brought together for for this time to reach this community, to stretch around the world with our mission's arm and bring in the harvest. God, I thank you that you are equipping us, that you're gifting us, that you're strengthening us, that you're building us up not for the purpose of us being somebody, but for the purpose of us serving, for the purpose of us washing feet, for the purpose of us being your hands and your feet to see the lost come to you. God, I just pray right now for discernment for each and every one of us in our gifting. God, I pray for discernment in how we, we, we serve in this church. God, I pray for you to build us up and encourage us. And I pray for an enthusiasm and an excitement to build in our lives that's contagious. God, I pray that, that, that there will be an absolute contagious feeling of enthusiasm and excitement and of serving in this church that we will begin to see countless souls come to you. You are so good. You are so amazing, God. Wow. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I never want to take an opportunity of, and not give you an opportunity to meet my best friend, Jesus. You may have listened to all of what I've had to say and you thought, there's some truth to that, but I don't really understand all of what you're talking about, John, because I don't have that relationship that you speak of. If you're here today and you're not walking with Jesus in a personal relationship, it's not about your religious position. It's not about whether you identify yourself as a Christian or not. It's about do you have an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
If you can't confidently raise your hands saying, I know I do, John, just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Just lift that hand and say, John, I'm, I am not...